0: The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Good morning and welcome. Uh, today culminates in the life of our church. This service culminates what we call mission impact celebration The question is why is parkwood about the mission or the bigger question before us today why the mission we want to find the answers from god's word not some subjective responses from me as a preacher so we look to psalm 67 as our beginning point And it is my prayer this morning that we will make connections, that we will connect the dots, so to speak, throughout the scripture as we understand the purpose of the mission. So Psalm 67 invites you, if you would, to stand as we hear the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the nations praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah, let the, people pray, the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Oh God, we ask now that your word would speak. Spirit of God, empower me yet again to preach in this hour. Give me the strength and the courage to say what needs to be said. And I pray that you would give fertile soil, that you would save the non-believer in the room, that they would repent of their sin and look to Christ to the glory of God today and believe. For the believer, oh God, may you cause them anew and afresh, or some for the first time, to understand why they are still here. So speak, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Here's the point today. The purpose of the mission is the glory of God. The purpose of the mission is the glory of God. So what is the mission? Pastor Andrew, if you were here last week, preached the mission. It's summarized and found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How do we know it's been given to him? Because he's raised from the dead. Amen. He is now seated at the right hand of the father. He makes intercession for us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Kevin DeYoung, in response to this, said, and I quote, if everything is missions, then nothing is missions. Because we are Americans and we're very individualized in how we approach things, We pick what we like and we say that's missions. Christ has defined the mission. The mission. The mission is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means sharing the gospel and seeing lost men and women embrace Christ and be saved. Then you're not finished and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, here's how this rigged thing works. When you teach them what Christ has commanded, they take the command. And they take this gospel and it expands and it expands and it expands until the glory of God fills the earth. And he promises, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's the mission. So why do we have this mission? The answer to this question is in this song. Psalm 67 is a song, by the way, has seven stanzas. It begins, this is actually a part of the inspired text, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Charles Spurgeon said Psalm 67 is the missionary song. The missionary song. Here's what we find in the missionary song. First, the Lord God purposefully and graciously makes himself known among all nations. Verse one, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Selah means pause and think, reflect, or pause and praise. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Grace means God. To, may God give us what we cannot earn or deserve. Bless us. May God give us what only he can give. So we cannot generate the blessings of God. We can't. We can't make these things. We can do a lot of ingenuity things as 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 human beings we cannot create blessings they come from god and may he make his face to shine upon us face means it implies god's face shining smiling us is his favor toward us so to know god and to be favored by god is the greatest blessing anyone can experience in this life and listen to me It will be the experience of eternity for all the children of God. For all of eternity, his face will shine upon us. For all of eternity, he will be gracious to us and he will bless us. I'm preaching to an American audience and I've got an uphill battle with what I'm about to say. Because here's what this means to you. Be gracious to us and bless us, God. Fill these things up. So I have a question for you. Has God been gracious to you and blessed you and made his face to shine upon you? You know what the answer is? Yes. You say, I don't know. You don't know my life, preacher. I don't have to know your life. The answer is emphatically yes. Because John One says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what we cannot earn or deserve and that which we cannot invent on our own or come up with truth has come through Jesus Christ. Paul summed it up this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, the one who created everything from nothing. The one who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of, look at this, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we see God's smiling face in Jesus Christ. In Christ and in Christ alone, God has been gracious to us and he has blessed us. Question, why? Why has God been gracious to us in Christ? You see, if you're answering that question wrong in your mind, well, it's because, you know, we're special. Then that's not grace anymore. That means you deserved it and God had to. Let me just be clear before I move on. God did not have to save you. He was not obligated to that. God has saved by his grace, by his good intention, the kind intention of his will, Ephesians 1. Why has he done this? Verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. I'm gonna quote him several times from his sermon on Psalm 67. Spurgeon said, I quote, as showers which fall upon the hills afterwards run down in streams into the valleys, so the blessing of the Most High comes upon the world through the church. We are blessed for the sake of others as well as ourselves. God deals with us in a way of mercy with his saints and then they make that way known far and wide. The Lord's name is made famous upon the earth through his church, through his people see, brothers and sisters, the world is ignorant of who God is. And unless God reveals himself to the world, they remain ignorant to who he is. So I have a question for you. Don't answer out loud because you might embarrass yourself. So if an Afghani woke up this morning who's never heard the name of Jesus, could that Afghani be saved because they want to? If the answer is no. Number one, they won't want to. Number two, they can't. You know why? Because they don't know the revelation of God through Christ. Now, some of you are going to come up and argue with me and you say, So you're saying that people who've never heard of Jesus are going to hell? Yes. That's what I'm saying. And by the way, if you think that, that God's got another plan out there for the people who've never heard about Jesus to be saved, why did he give a command to go to them? Here's what they'd be better off is if we just didn't show up. If, you're, if your theology's right, that they can be saved apart from the gospel, we're better off not to show up because the moment they hear the gospel, now they're accountable to it. Just say biblically, your theology's off the Bible teaching all All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, all. And the only way they will be saved is through Christ. And God has made himself known through Christ. And now he makes himself known to the world through his church, Acts. Acts is about how the church was founded and how the church unleashed on the world. So turn with me to Acts chapter one, and I want you to see the bookends of Acts. What God was doing. Acts chapter one, verse eight that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And just pause right there. Pentecost has happened and Pentecost will not be repeated. The Holy Spirit has come. He is upon the church. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And what you see unfolding in the book of Acts is God following that pattern and that plan through his church rapidly within a few decades and expanding the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Now go to the end of the book, Acts chapter 28. Acts 28, therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Now, if you'll read just above that, you'll see it went to the Jew first. I don't have time to expound all that, but now the, 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 known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Now, how was it sent to the Gentiles? Through the church, Acts 1-8. That's how it was sent to them. Look at this promise at the end. They will listen. All right, how many people in this room would confess right now by raising your hand, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I believed on the Lord Jesus. Raise your hand. You listened. By the way, you're Gentiles. You're non-Jews. You didn't listen because you're Americans. It is God who revealed himself to you. It is by his grace. He has blessed you in Christ and made his face to shine upon you. Now, brothers and sisters, he has sent us to the world to make himself known. So here's my next question. Why does God desire his saving power known among the nations? Why the mission? is quoting John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad, first Chapter, first page, first words. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When our age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Now, I love preaching. You want me to tell you something else going to be over? Preaching. Preaching is part of the mission. It won't be necessary anymore. All of it. So there you go. I go to church for the preaching. Well, you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven because it's not going to be one long sermon. It's going to be an eternity of worship of the one who deserves it. That's why our week culminates. As we gather with the people of God and we worship God. And I'm gonna talk in a few minutes what else that does for us when we come together to worship our King. We go from here. So look, the majority of our week right now is spent away from here doing the mission of God. One day it's all gonna be reversed and eternity is gonna be spent and the ultimate thing we are is worship. Here's what I want you to see. The second thing, back to Psalm 67. If worship is the ultimate goal, then here's what we need to see, that the Lord God purposely and graciously makes himself known among all nations so that the peoples will praise him with joy and gladness. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So how will the peoples come to praise God? God must reveal himself to them. He must reveal himself about humanity that we all have sinned and come short of. So, so if the purpose of the mission is worship, that God be glorified, do you see the problem, the barrier? We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're made in the image of God to glorify God, but because of sin, we now fall short. We can't glorify God. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to me. If you're not a Christian in this room, you need to understand this. God says, even your self-righteousness, your attempts to do good are filthy rags. They're vain attempts. God's not glorified through them. He is only glorified through Christ. How do we come to know Christ? We come to know Christ the one who is fully God and fully man, who gave himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins in our place on the cross. We'll celebrate that in two weeks. And on the third day, rose again, proving that he is in fact Lord. How how is this made known? Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be praised and will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. He's not gonna turn you away. When you call on the name of the Lord through Christ Jesus, you will be saved. Now here's some questions. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? So here's the question. The, the dude over in Afghanistan who wakes up this morning, how's he gonna call on him who has not believed? The answer is, He's not going to, right? And how are they to believe in him whom have they have not heard? So how are they going to believe in somebody they haven't heard? The answer is what? They're not going to. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The answer is they're not going to. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Oh, now we have a different issue. Ha. Every Sunday we say, Parkwood, you are. Oh, are you afraid to say it. Parkwood, you are sent. Christ has already done it. Go. Go therefore and make disciples. So the breakdown, for those of you who think it's unfair to the dude over there who dies in his sin in Afghanistan and goes to hell And you think that's unfair? I'm going to tell you whose feet the unfairness is going to lie at. Not God's, ours. Because we said to God, it's their problem. I'm not going. God is the one who has sent us, the one who has sent his church to go and to take the gospel so that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. They must hear the gospel. Acts 28, 28. They will what? Listen. Now, in between Acts 1 and Acts 28, 28, did some people beat the fire out of Christians? Yep. Did they ridicule Christians? Did they persecute Christians? Yes. That's not a reason to stay here. That's why Jesus said, I am with you always. He even said, when you're, when you're brought before you tri- tribunals, when, when you're brought before people who are about to judge you, and the implication is probably unto death, he's gonna give you what to say right there. Man, I love that Psalm 46. Y'all ever seen the haka? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever seen these like rugby teams? They get out and they do this thing. Man, I was doing the haka over here. I'm thinking Psalm 46 is let's go. Let's go. Let's quit being a bunch of wimps. The person leading the charge is not me. The Lord of hosts, the one with the flag that's out in front of us is Jesus. He's the warrior who's done, suffered, and died in our place. He's the one we go and follow. He's the one we go to the nations. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. So we join the song. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. That's not the worship leader begging the church to sing. It's the worship leader putting the grand vision of the church in front of them, Saying that every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse four, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Now see the connection here. For you would judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Watch this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every tongue, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is glory of t- is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I, I stood back here a minute ago, when you were singing. The clouds are going to be rolled back. This day's coming here. That's what Philippians two is describing. That's that's what Psalm sixty-seven verse four is talking about. There's a day coming when when the the, the King the Smackdown is coming. And praise God that now there are many of you in this room who are saying, it is well with my soul. When he splits the sky, you will say, it is well with my soul. And I'm trying to hold myself together here. Right in front of me are two workers who live in a city, two million people, Two. Million. There are five Christians. So on that day, there will be one million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-five who will say it is not well. It's unacceptable. It's not just about their lost soul. It is. It is about the glory of God. So this morning when the sun came up on the Lord's day, a few people in that city gathered. Just a few. Brothers and sisters, we must say now, let the nation's Be glad, let the nations sing for joy because the day's coming, it's coming. Now, how how do I apply this to my heart? How, how, How does this get into my life? What's the so what here, if you will? Let me walk you through three things. Number one, worship fuels the mission. Salvation brings gladness and joy. All right. The day you got saved, gladness and joy. Question, the day you got saved, gladness and joy. When you thought about your salvation, when you sang it as well with my soul, gladness and joy. All right. If you don't have that, you're not saved. I know that was a bold, blunt statement, but it's the truth. Jesus didn't die to make you better. Jesus died to make you joyful in God. That's a radical fault for some of you. You just need to go home and sit on that. Gladness and joy come at salvation and gladness and joy elicit praise. needs to come out of you. And and when you praise, you want others to praise. If you don't believe this, walk up to any grandparent today and ask them about their grandchildren. Not only will they praise them, they'll want you, look at the look. Particularly if they're physically look, Isn't this the sweetest thing? I don't know. There's probably a new car in the parking lot. Watch, watch, watch the people get in it today. We want others to join in what brings us joy. This is how it works. Psalm 57. I will give thanks to you among O Lord, among the peoples, I will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. You see what he's saying here? Among the peoples, among the nations who don't know you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give praise to you. I'm going to give thanks to you. Now, why would we do that? Why would we, why would we worship the Lord among the peoples? That mean we're going to have a singing service among the peoples. It just means out of our mouth comes the praise. We worship him because of who he is and what he's done, what he has done for us, what he alone has done for us. You see, salvation awakens thanksgiving. I was reading a Puritan, this dude wrote 200 years ago. He said, quote, no man can read the writings of early Christians converted from heathenism without seeing that they themselves felt marvelously rescued. They wrote as if they had been brought out of hell itself. Now look up here. When I read that this week, I thought there's the answer to the apathy. You think you've just been saved in the Bible belt with all the other good people and you just joined in the good. Here's what Ephesians 2 says about me and you, that you're dead in your trespasses and sins and that you are by nature children of wrath and that God by his grace alone has saved you that he has transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. That means he has rescued you from hell itself. How in the world could you keep quiet about that? How in the world could you not tell others about that? You see, the nations come to know God when we are fueled by the worship of God in that they see first that we're changed people we're joyful about something different we're excited about other things our 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 values and our purpose in life is completely different than the non-believer which leads them to think we're weird and to ask us questions like why do you do that why do you care about that which opens the door to the gospel. Secondly, they see and hear the power of God through us when we talk of him, when we speak of him. This should be normal in our lives. Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation. Who's, that's experiential. So when I'm speaking of it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> It's the power of God to salvation to me. Secondly, secondly, for the Jew first and also the Gentile, it's the power of God to salvation for others. So let me just, let's just be very confrontational, not that I hadn't already been, but let me just be real confrontational for a minute. How in the world can you stand here with your mouth shut while we praise God and then think you're gonna get out there in the public and speak of God? You won't. It, it, I'm toning myself down here the way I say this because I want to say it clear and blunt, but I don't want to be mean. God is not impressed that you came here today. You didn't tick one off and add to your book. God is only pleased when he is worshiped through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you have not come here because of what Christ has done in you and your worship to God is not because of what Christ has done for you, then you worship in vain. But when we realize what Christ has done for us and we call on him for salvation and the work of salvation is done in us, it changes us to where now we are not ashamed of the gospel. So here's what we do every week, brothers and sisters. We come together to remind us of what Christ has done. That's why we sing the gospel and that's why we preach the gospel so that we go out of here and worship overflows from us because when Christ is lifted up, he draws all men to himself. Next, worship culminates the mission. Turn to Revelation chapter seven. Revelation chapter seven. So everything's moving to the day Christ comes. Christ comes. His people are drawn up into eternity in heaven. And here's the scene. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. So brother and sister, they are going to be more than five Kurds, okay? A great multitude that no one can number from every nation and tribe and peoples and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. So this is sort of gonna be like Palm Sunday, but like on steroids. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. In response to Psalm 67, in the thought of this text, Charles Spurgeon said, some sing for form, Others for show, some sing out of duty, others for amusement. But to sing from the heart, because overflowing joy must find a vent, this is to sing indeed. Whole nations will do this when Jesus reigns over them in the power of his grace. We have heard hundreds and even thousands sing in chorus, but what will it be to hear whole nations lifting up their voices as the noise of many waters and great thunders? What a day, an eternity it will be. Now, until that day, until the culmination here, Revelation 7, the mission continues. I want you to grasp what I'm gonna say next. The mission continues with or without me. The mission continues with or without you. The mission continues with or without Parkwood. By the way, over there in Revelation, you want to wonder why he takes their lampstand? I'll tell you why he takes their lampstand. Because they lose sight of the mission. We want God to take our lampstand neglect the mission. Forget why we're here. Brothers and sisters, the only ones who will hear good and faithful servant are those who have served the king. And those who serve the king do what the king says. So how do I then continue? It's not out of duty and obligation that I continue. Here's how it happens. The mission continues through us when God's purpose is our purpose. Turn to Re- uh, Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Now, while you're turning over there, you're going to see a bunch of indentions and space in between. Every time there's an indention, this means that the, that the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament. So, what Paul's doing here is connecting the dots to the Bible for you. Now, watch what happens here. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that is, the Jew. To show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, might, what? Glorify God for his mercy. So here's his purpose. And in case you don't understand that's his purpose, he now goes and quotes multiple texts. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, O you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Hope. Now, brothers and sisters, I agree with you. The world's hard right now. It's difficult. And it's getting worse day by day. So how in the world are we going to continue in this mission? Here's the answer, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The only way that you're going to press through the difficulty of this world is to believe God. That's why we have preaching. Preaching is reminding us who God is, what God has said, and we believe God. And when we believe God, we have hope and joy and peace fill our hearts. Why? So that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound, you may abound in hope. Have you ever paused and thought about how Christianity spread in the first century? Has it ever, ever dawned on you how it happened? Let me just clearly say to you, it wasn't the Bible Belt. It wasn't a free democracy. It wasn't a place that you would have thought that Christianity was spread. It was a pagan religion to where people were told to worship a man. If you went to dinner with somebody, there were idols and you had to worship those idols before you could even eat. It was in that culture that Christianity spread and people suffered and died, but Christianity spread and it spread rapidly and it spread quickly. Why? Because here's what the world saw. They saw hope. And here's what they heard they heard the gospel that was the source of that hope and it spread. I'm just gonna say this blunt and clear. Christianity is gonna shrivel up and die as long as churches do two things. Embrace pluralism and say, you, know, you can believe whatever you wanna believe. As long as you're sincere, you're all going to heaven. Those churches are dying off the map and they're about gone. Number two, God's gonna cut it off But as long as the church preaches a prosperity gospel, that the reason that Jesus saved you is so you can be rich and healthy. Listen, the reason Jesus saved you is so you could glorify God. And the reason Jesus saved you is so you can take the message to the peoples so that they can glorify God both now and forever and forever. And when that purpose becomes your purpose, here's what you'll do. You'll pray for workers in places in the world where the gospel needs to be spread. You will cry out to God on their behalf. You will pray when God's purpose is your purpose. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God be glorified. When God's purpose is your purpose, you will support the mission. You will give sacrificially. So let me just flip it. So here's why we like the prosperity gospel. Buy me a car. God, give me a new car. Please give me a new car. Give me a new car. You need a car in this society, in in this town. We don't have public transportation. You got to have one to get around. Grocery stores aren't right beside you. You got to have a car. You just don't need a fancy one. So when you're driving around in your $100,000 car, quit saying God gave it to you. I'm sorry. That makes some of you mad when I say that. Just stop it. Just drive your $100,000 car. It's okay. Just quit blaming it on God. And when you buy a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger house, quit telling people God gave it to you. Just move into your bigger house. Okay. Here's what you need to do with your resources, brothers and sisters. Live what you need. And as Christians, to the glory of God, give to the mission. Third, you need to go. So I'm ready for the conversation. This is how it goes after every mission impact celebration. I've cut it off this year. You can give it a shot if you want to after the service. Somebody will walk up to me and say, preacher, this has all been good. But you know what we need to do? We need to focus right here. There are lost people right here. Okay. Go. Go. Parkwood, you are. Oh, there you go. Has it ever occurred to you that we unleash one third Of the IMB's mission force on Gastonia every Sunday morning. There are only 4,000 missionaries in the IMB. We unleash 1,500 on Gaston County every Sunday morning. So quit telling me we need to focus on this city. We already are. We need to go where Jesus is not named. We need to go to the least reached. We need to go to those who do not yet know Christ and have no opportunity to him. You can go short term, week or two. One of the workers up here said, here's what I need. I need a sister in Christ who can come cook to come spend time with me because I've learned the language. So me and my husband can host Muslims in a culturally uh, acceptable way, which means the host stay with their guests so that you can stay in the kitchen and cook while they speak the language and share the gospel. Kind of hems you in, doesn't it, sisters? You don't have to know how to speak the language. All you got to know how to do is cook. Now, I know it's a challenge for some of you, but anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. Midterm. They stood up here two nights ago and said, they have a couple on their team, the lady's a retired accountant and she caught wind that this business that the workers had started who don't have time to do the accounting and frankly don't know how that her and her husband have moved over there in their retirement for two years to keep the books. Now I use those illustrations because I know two things about Parkwood. You can cook and there are a bunch of accountants who go here. I I thought when they, I didn't ask them to share these stories. I'm sitting here thinking, praise God. There's something for everybody. There's a place for everybody. And some of you, some of you, it's not many. Everybody can't go. We can't support everybody. But some of you, God has called you out this weekend. God's just clearly spoken to you and said, lay down your life and go. Go for the sake of the gospel. It's all for his glory. It's the fact that men and women are lost and outside of of the knowledge of God. We go to share the glorious gospel that they might be saved and made right with God and that they might glorify him forever. So I want you to bow your heads. I want to lead us in prayer. And then we're going to respond as I hope we should. So let's pray. It's a simple question. Is your purpose God's purpose? Is your purpose to glorify God? I'm going to confess to you, there were parts of my life as a Christian where I was doing what I wanted to and asking God to bless it. That's not how it works. Here's what I know, brothers and sisters, is true of my life. When you embrace God's purpose for your life is to glorify God, then God's will will be done through you. You don't have to get all locked up and worried. What am I supposed to do? God's will will be done. It'll be clear. He will direct your path. He will. So quit worrying about what you're supposed to do next week. Is God's purpose your purpose? To bring glory to him. Lord, I pray now that we will express that purpose by glorifying you and that we will say to you, yes, yes. I want your purpose to be mine. Praise pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.